Thank you for choosing this election. Brought to you by Community of Faith Family Church, where the pastor is Dr. Anthony Moore. We invite you to come out and join us for our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. Wednesday evening services start at 7.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 1870 South Lee Street in Beaufort, Georgia. Just call us for more information. Our number is 770-945-4199. At Community of Faith Church, we're leading the community to the cross cross of Christ. And now let's join Dr. Anthony Moore with today's message. To 2 Timothy, this morning I have a brief message. Excellent work. You're drafted. You're in the ministry now. Welcome. What's your name? Daryl? Minister Daryl. Y'all meet Minister Daryl. That's how easy it is to get the ministry. Did y'all know that? That's what happened to me. I came to church after complaining I didn't have the right clothes, sat in the back, which I thought was the back. It wasn't really the back. It was the midway. So when the ushers came and they opened up these back doors, all these chairs was right there. And he did the same thing. He said, you, come here, come here. All of a sudden, I'm a a chair usher now. Every week, I'm putting out the chairs because I sat in the back. Just give them a job. Just put them to work. Everybody need a job. You know why? Because you were made to fulfill a purpose. You're not here because two people thought it was a great time. It's just it's a lot more to it than that. Let's pray so we can touch into the heart of God and hear what he has for us. Father, there's a ministry in each of us and as difficult as it can be to comprehend and to fulfill it, God, we're trusting you that you'll provide the insight, the wisdom, the next steps that will equip each of us to go to the next level of that which you've called for us. And may your word touch each and every hearer right where they need. May it provide the, the insight that bridges the gap, that will propel them as they go forward to bring glory to your name by all that they would say and all that they would do. Touch me this morning, Lord God, with the opportunity to be a tool in your hand, an instrument that will make it plain, that will make it clear, that will make your word profitable to the hearer. Bless me, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, In your notes there, exercise your gift until your ministry is developed. Your gift will make room for your ministry. Don't wait until you get a call to prepare the message. If you are a member at our church, you've gone through a spiritual gifts inventory. And in that spiritual gifts inventory, I talk to you about your gifts, your spiritual gifts, your motivational gifts, how God uses you in relationship with other believers, how he organizes and orchestrates his will using you. Mm. Uh, Could you do me a favor? Would you get me a spiritual gifts inventory? Yeah. How he has developed each of us uniquely and specifically, and their gifts that he's given to each and every believer. There is nobody sitting in this room who is not spiritually lifted. You cannot be alive. Because the first gift of God is the breath of life. It's the first breath. Now, everybody gets that breath. That's how we come to, quote, unquote, life, conception. But that next gift 
is the gift of his son. Now, that's a powerful gift. But in between and with every believer comes gifts. Now, I say every believer, but the reality is every human being. Because even non-believers will have gifts that will remind you of spiritual gifts. Why is that the case? Because we're all born under one God. He doesn't discriminate. He gives the breath of life to all of us. He equips us with the same measure of faith. Each, he says, he calls it a measure of faith. In that measure is all that pertains to your life and your godliness. And in that are gifts that are designed to bless you and to bless others. But it does not mean, it is not a guarantee that everyone will use every gift or any of the gifts. There are times when we will be set aside, sometimes for godly reasons and sometimes because of ungodly reasons, set aside, gifted, and no place to be ourselves. Sometimes there are folks who believe they're gifted in ways that they're really not. I happen to think that uh, I'm ready to go on tour as a singer. I really do. I, I'm ready. It'd be a solo concert. <laughs> Y'all know why it would be solo. <laughs> Nobody wants to sing with me. I can't sing. Nobody wants that volume up to here. I'm not a singer. It'd be a solo concert. Thank you so much. And so in the midst of all of that, with your gifts, some of you will recognize that even though you have these gifts, not everyone will recognize them in you. You can be gifted and folks will say, wow, that's nice. But the minute you attempt to apply it in a spiritual context, they begin to look at the rest of your life and start discounting your spiritual gift. So sometimes the messenger can mess up the message. We know that in our regular day in life called hypocrisy. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to explain it so convoluted that you missed it. That's called hypocrisy. In case you missed it, that was a hypocrite. Turn First Timothy, uh, Second Timothy. Let me give you some scripture. Second Timothy. Let me start in the back and then I'll work to the front. Second Timothy chapter 4. In verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with, long, with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here is the passage. We have a ministry. Do the work. Basically, what he's telling us in this case in Timothy is don't stop preaching the truth. The truth. And I, I think part of this message was born out of the decision uh, for our current administration 
at the highest levels, to, they come, everybody's coming out the closet with their feelings on same-sex relationships and pronouncing this, that, and the other. And I, I'm, I realize that uh, if you are anything other than what the majority is and saying at that time, you are not right. So if the majority is saying, no, 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 marriage is one man, one woman, you're good as long as the majority is saying it. And maybe about four years ago, there was a very strong political influence in that way. That the truth from God's perspective, even in politics, we had candidates running saying the truth is this. Now we got a brand new situation four years later and we've got those same saying the truth is now this, something else. I'm having trouble with these multiple truths. Truth don't change. Facts, F-A-C-T, change. Truth does not change. Here's a fact. There are two crosses right here. That's a fact. And as deep as your spirituality is, I know you can believe those things that are not as though they were. So many of us can believe for a third. Oh, we do have a third cross, even a fourth cross. We can believe for a fourth cross. But the fact is right now we ain't got but one, two, three. That's it. That's a fact. It's not the truth. Truth does not change. It always is. I can change the facts simply by changing the environment. Now we don't have three crosses. We have two crosses. And as deep as you are, you can say, I, I still see the cross here, but the cross ain't here. You can say it, believe it any kind of way you want. It's a fact, but it's not a truth. Truth doesn't change. We don't live by the facts of our world. We live with the facts of our world. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If he didn't say it, it is subject to change. Every scientific in, uh, find of every kind is subject to the new find. And then when we find the new find, the old find is not as good as the, the new find. The truth is not like that because the truth is from the beginning. So when you begin to try and deal with these trusted leaders, and we find that they're even influenced by the facts of their life, the facts of the circumstance, the facts of the world, the political environment, all things that are going on, then we cannot hold what comes from them as truth. We can only hold what comes from, from them as their statement for now. And then you've got to look a little bit deeper into the messenger if you're going to be able to just send them into some place on your behalf and for them to speak for you and be your messenger. Because you don't know what they'll say when they get in there. What you do know is who you're sending in. You want to know the character of the character before you can trust. What are we facing now? There's a couple of things I want to put out in Scripture. Turn over to second, uh, let's see, First Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 1. 
Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now that one right there took me a little while. I had to had to do a little research on that doctrines of demons because uh, I didn't know there was such. I I heard and I knew, but I didn't know. No, you know I mean it's almost like I heard and I knew, but I ain't believe it. And then until I read it, I wouldn't believe it that there is a doctrine. In the same way we have a doctrine, and I'm going to share with you the doctrine of Christ. There is a doctrine that is the anti. I had no clue until I started wondering how we could get to some of the places we're getting. How you can formulate some of the opinions that are being formulated. I had no clue. Chapter verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now, we talked about mentioning doctrines of demons. Now, verse 6 through 11 is going to give you the highlight points, the key points of what would be the doctrine of Christ or a good doctrine. Now, verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of, a, and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise. This is the first, first key thing to remember, to exercise Exercise. Now, how many of you enjoy exercise? Got a couple. I know Pastor Bob runs miles. Anybody else like exercise? You still running? Yeah. What other What other exercises do we what we got here? Who does what? Would you do what? Use weight training. All right. What else? Is it we running and we weight training? Huh? Zumba. All right. Got some little cardio Zumba. Cycling. Spinning. We praying for your foot so you can get back to spinning now. <laughs> exercise, exercise. Sometimes you don't feel like exercising. But you'll do it anyway. What are the exercises that all of us could participate in that will cause after some period of time others to say, wow, that's godliness. There's no doubt that I could have you work with J-Web for about, I don't know, two to three months. And at the end of two to three months, whatever your goals were at the beginning, we'd be able to look at you and say, wow, I see change. Why is it not the same for the rest of our walk? Why is it not the same? Many of us have been in God for But when we walk by people, they don't say, man, you look just like godliness. <laughs> Nobody gave me that compliment yet. <laughs> I don't know about you. I ain't get that one yet. What kind of compliments do you get? I get all kind of compliments, but anybody said, wow, I have never seen a better definition of righteousness. Whoo, that's a holiness right there. Maybe because we don't exercise. 
to produce those kinds of results. You do understand that when you exercise, whatever it is you exercise, there are physical results of it to be seen. For example, how many of you feel like math is not your cup of tea? It is not your cup of tea. Now, I can guarantee you this, that if I paired you with a teacher and that teacher took you through four exercises where you do 40 basic problems in one minute in four in addition, 40 addition, 40 subtraction, 40 multiplication, 40 division, a total of four minutes, one minute each test. And if you got to the place where in one minute you got through 40 of those problems, I guarantee you it take you maybe oh 40 to 60 days to get that level of confidence. And after doing that many problems in one minute, you're going to approach math with a confidence that you never had before. Why? Because you have exercised yourself such that the basis and basic of all math is captured inside of you, not on some other paper, not in some book, not where you got to find it out. You committed it to your memory. You made it a part of yourself, kind of like ride the bike. After you learned, you didn't keep remembering how to learn. Kind of like cooking or washing the dishes. After you learned, you didn't keep figuring it out. There are exercises that are producing godliness that should be a matter of lifestyle. Not simply a matter of, well, this week I better exercise. If you do not incorporate into your lifestyle these exercises that lead unto godliness, you will forever be reminded that you live otherwise. I'll give you some examples. This is not necessarily for you all. I want to use me as an example. Things that lead to moral failure in ministers' lives. There your outline. Now, you do know the word calls each of you ministers, right? So I'm going to just tell you all what I'm up against, and then you can figure out just whether or not this is you too. Things that lead to moral failure in ministers' lives. Number one, no regular devotion. No regular devotion. No regular devotion is like this. You wake up, you go to bed, and the next time you say something to God is when you come back here. That's no regular devotion. How, how full, how shallow would my conversation be if the only time I'm interacting with God and his word is when I'm in this building, if I came once a week like many do. No regular devotion. Imagine you and your spouse speaking, but staying in the same house, speaking one time per week, only on Sundays. Imagine. That's what it's like when there's no devotion, none. Some parents here, you know what it's like when your kids get a little older and then they figure out that they really don't need you every minute of every day. You could go a couple days and miss them jokers. Unless it's time to eat, they'd be up in their room, they'd be on their phone, they're just gone. You got to go search it out. Imagine having such a broken relationship 
where every four or fifth day you say hi. That's no devotion. I'm not even, I haven't even mentioned how irreverent it is. Because throughout the week, we're going to be saying things in God's name, and we're going to need him, and he's going to be protecting us, he's going to take care of us, he's going to, you know, that accident that didn't happen, the one you saw happen right in front of you, that you was able to get around and all that, that yep, that was one that was for you, that God said, nah, nah, nah. And your, re- your lack of devotion didn't stop that. It, you know what it's like when somebody's devoted to you. They're waiting for you. Last, last, let's see, this Wednesday had food poisoning on Wednesday night and then again on Friday night. I don't know why, but it comes up right 2, two to 3 a.m. Boy, if my wife didn't love me, because Wednesday night I went, in the middle of the night she jumped up, went and got the Pedialyte, I felt better the next day. Whew. Felt so much better, I ate the pizza I left over. Oh, y'all laughing like y'all ain't done this. Like I'm the only big dummy in the room. <laughs> she got up at, it was between two and three, went to uh, uh, Walmart, got my Pedialyte. I cried all night long, made it to the morning pass. <laughs> By afternoon, I was breathing. <sighs> but I hadn't ate. So I was hungry. But I was a dummy. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. You better sip some ice chips. <laughs> So that Thursday, I went to work on that pizza. And that Friday, I woke up like, Mama, please, please send me somebody. She got up again. Went and got me two more quarts of uh, Pedialyte. Wow. She loved me. Mm -hmm. What happens when you're with someone and you only see them every four or five days? What happens if God only took care of you equivalent to the amount of devotion. How about if he showed up kind of like we show up? We ought to, we, I'm just so glad he's God. There's a devotion that takes place and there's an expectation of all of you toward me and from me toward you. I have a growing expectation on each and every one of you as you do on me. Your expectation is that I, year after year, will get better, more knowledgeable, more wise, more committed, more devoted to the things of God. Your expectation is that you would see that. So why would there be any less on the rest of us? You have gifts, talents, skills, and abilities. You ran the risk of introducing yourself to me and showing me what those gifts, talents are. And I am interested in holding you accountable to you becoming who you are supposed to be. Not because I told you to be, but because you told me you were supposed to be. And now when I put the pressure on you, or better said, give the lane of opportunity for you to be, don't get mad at me. You just need to walk down your life and get mad with God. He'll either save you or kill you. In either case, you got him. He's good. The second thing that uh, leads ministers to moral failure, I mentioned, is called no accountability. No accountability. 
I've said this to our men in private. I've said it in public, and I mean it with my whole heart. If you are male, M-A-L-E, and you are the type of male who believes nobody can tell you anything at some point, that you're a man, you run your own show, and there's nobody else on this earth other that, that can tell you stop and you stop, you're a, an authority to yourself, you and the Pope are going to spend a lot of time together. If it takes the police to come and exact law when you are lawless, it's only a matter of time for the Pope run your house. They're going to be over there. If somebody in your family or your, 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 your relationship circle cannot call someone else and you'll listen to them, the only thing we have left is the authorities. That is both natural and that's spiritual. It's easier to understand natural. If, you know, me and uh, Lisa, we marry and she can't control her hands. She like to bust me in the head every now and then. What I'm going to do? I'm going to call the popo. It would be nicer if I just ducked and just got out the way and called someone else who she would be submitted to. Avoid the problem as best I can, but this is the, 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 the violence is coming. We've got to deal with that. So you, if she won't listen to nobody else, they have small rooms specifically prepared with no rent, food, shelter, till you can get it together. It's not unfair. It's very fair. It's fair to me because, you know, my head don't work good getting all busted up. It's fair to her. Her hand don't work good busting my head up. She need a room. It's just like that. Why? I specifically talk to men in that way because we're dangerous. We're a dangerous species. We hurt folk. I mean, you, you know, men, don't, don't get me wrong. You are a, you're meant to be dangerous. There's power in you. Don't get wrong. Don't, don't look at the size of the man and think, oh, okay. You get mixed up. You'll miss the whole picture. So, man, you have, a, you have a, a unique responsibility related to submission of your character to God. You're not going to be a man of God. The Bible describes you as a lawless one. A lawless one. That is a man who is not under any authority. But he also describes others who are lawless. And anytime you read about being a lawless one... You're destined for hell. You can call what you want to call, but you live lawlessly. You're destined for hell. I know this ain't no fire and brimstone, but this is the fire and the brimstone. If you, Bible says this in the book of Matthew, that there will be those who will come to me in the last days and say, Lord, Lord, had I not cast out devils in your name, did not heal the sick in your name, did not raise the dead in your name. And he will say to you at that time, get away from me, you worker of iniquity. In one translation, in another translation, it says, get away from me, you lawless one. I never knew you. Never knew, knew, K-N-E-W. It's the same word, same translation as when God said, 
Adam knew Eve and he conceived. So when you take those words, you get this picture where God is saying, you who live as if you're mine in front of some, but live lawlessly when it comes time to submit to me. I never knew you because when I needed to know you, you acted like you didn't know me. At the heat of your wrong, when he's saying stop and you're ignoring him because you're running your own show, that's when he don't know you or when you're acting like you don't know him. It's when we're in the heat of our wrong, the folly of that moment that we know who we're actually submitted to. I wish I had thought about it. I'd break Judah in here. My, my, my Doberman. You mean He'd sit right there. He'd go to sleep right there. Or if I go in a room, he'd go in a room and go to sleep. Obedient. Obedient. I, I'm like Jesus. I've not seen such obedience in all of Great Water Drive in all my days. <laughs> I ain't even have a kid that obedient. I got great kids. <clears throat> no accountability. No accountability. Accountability is, is also in who you report to. In my life, uh, Bishop Bronner, Bishop Dale Bronner, is our, he's, he's the founding voice of our church, in case y'all didn't know that. Meaning, I didn't bring a proposal for a church to a Southern Baptist or any kind of convention and say, I want to I start a church. Will you back me? No, that's, that's more typical. That does happen. There are organizations that do that. That wasn't me. That wasn't how it happened. I was... Going out, I got invited at the Ruth Chris dinner. I'm going out to eat me a nice steak. And he tells me, the Lord spoke to him, that my wife and I to start a church. I look back at him. Really? Well, okay. I said okay because of who said it. Not because of what was said, but because of who said it. And then I, uh, later on we met again and I began to tell him everything I didn't have in order to start. And he began to offer support or people from his church to fulfill those roles. My answer was, no, 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 no. If this is God, we'll be fine. If it ain't God, I don't want to go on forever with other resources. I want to fail quickly. Some people don't think like that. I, I, if it ain't God, it's misery. And so I want to fail quick. I don't want to be in misery a long time. So when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing that, this is the accountability over our church. That's the covering. It's a spiritual covering. No, I don't speak to Bishop like we're friends. Uh, you know, obviously, when we're in a meeting or something, we're laughing and joking, but... No, I'm not blowing his phone up talking about the, the events of the day. It's a solemn yet serious conversation in every conversation. Why? I am accountable to him. He spoke and we are collectively fulfilling a vision called word of faith, community of faith. This is community of faith. My accountability is voluntary. I tell on myself, which is why I don't have a lot to tell. Because when you're 
trained to tell on yourself, you just generally don't live so bad. You know, if there's anything I'm happy I did and I would encourage parents to do, from the very beginning, train your kids to tell on themselves. It's so much easier. When my daughters are in trouble, they tell on themselves. And I, I so appreciate that. Because I don't have to be inch high private eye inspecting what they did, what they did. What's in this bottle? Looked like tequila to me. That's, it ain't tequila, but it's rum. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to be inspecting. I don't have to go through their rooms and things. Why? Accountability. Bishop Rodder doesn't have to send folk here to sit and hear what I'm preaching. You don't have to. Accountability. The third thing, and this is the one that many of you are susceptible to as well. There are ministers who feel that it will never happen to them. Whatever that is, it will never happen to them. It's that, it's that overconfidence that many of us exercise. Some of you here would say, oh, no, 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 no. I'd never do that. Never, 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 never. I would never do that. No. Like, uh, well, I ain't going to say lying. Of course, nobody would say lying. How about stealing? Stealing. I know everybody here, was, I would never steal. I would never steal. Oh, Really? Fornication, adultery, anything we see is possible. I don't know what great depravity would have to come into your life. I read the stories of the plays that get stranded in those remote places where all of a sudden humans start looking like food. Now I'd snack with the best of them. But Doc, you ain't gonna ever look like a chicken wing to me, man. <laughs> Except if we over the Alps and the plane go down and we've been there a month and ain't nothing left but you. <laughs> Grill Doc. <laughs> What's, I mean, that's what depravity has to come into your life? Why would, if we can see it manifested in our world, let us not get so immune that we think it could never happen to us. Never get that immune. Your empathy is so in a, in a depleted state. You got you to gotta have some, at least you could say, but for the grace of God. And there are ministers who think it could never happen to them because they so, so, what, 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 what. I, I just don't live with that level of confidence. I'm sorry. Number four, unresolved conflict at home. Ooh-wee. That will make you fail morally quickly. How many of you know someone who cuss every now and again? 
every now and again, not often. They do their best not to have it in there. Yep. Unresolved conflict will make you have a cuss word on your lips. It'll make you upset. It'll make you agitated. It'll cause you to have a lack of rest, a lack of sleep, constant pressure, dissension. How long can you be under pressure before something cracks if it not break? How long can you remain agitated before at some point there's a retaliation expression? Unresolved conflict. I'm not a cussing person. Definitely not. And in fact, even prior to Jesus, it really wasn't like that. Because I grew up in a home where, I mean, if you said the word L-I-E and my mom and dad overheard it, you got a whooping. That was a, that's, that's the lie is a cuss word. So we, them other things, I mean, my father didn't even talk like that. My mother didn't talk like that. So it was just, it's just not a part of my vocabulary. Now I get to the, got to college and wanted to learn and act like the, my, 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 my peers, my classmates, and I picked up some new phrases. <laughs> but it's not my language. But I've, I've noticed that the stress of ministry can agitate me. And I get a little jumpy, get a little little pop in my voice. I can't tell you what to say because y'all know I'm not quite spiritual. Four things that lead to failure. Unresolved conflict. Uh, did I mention that two things that I, men are going to face that I need you to be careful of? Number one, seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. Seducing spirits will render your gifts Valueless. Valueless. If you are able to be manipulated, bribed, coerced by a seducing spirit, your gifts will be valueless. What am I saying? There was a time when I valued the Playboy experience. I was the man. I'm all of this. Well, when you are a whole, I'm sorry, when you're a player like that, you search out flirtatious, or what the Bible calls lasciviousness. To be flirtatious is to be lascivious. And so you search out those conversations. You hear them. You listen for them. You listen for them. And then you listen for the vessels. Basically, lasciviousness is the beginnings of seducing spirits. Got to be very sensitive. The other part I mentioned, the second thing that I want men to be careful of is the doctrine of demons. Doctrine. I'll have to talk to y'all in private about that. Specific to us men. Specific. We'll do that. Or maybe I'll write it down and, and uh, I'll get it to you. Two things. Where do we want to close today? Turn with me to First Timothy. I'm sorry, Second Timothy. Here we are. Yes. Chapter 4. Look at verse 2. There's four, one, two, three, four, five. There are five words I want to finish with in the next five minutes. The first word is convince. Chapter 2, preach the word. Be ready and season it out. Convince, convince, convince. 
Convince. Convince. Convince. Being ready to fulfill your ministry, you got to be ready to convince somebody of something. Something. Convince. Persuasion. Motivation. Inspiration. Convince. Do you share your faith in a manner that someone would say, you're trying to convince me of something? When you talk to others, when you share your faith, when you talk about your love for Christ and his love for you and your relationship, is it convincing? Does it convince you? To fulfill your ministry, remember, all of your life emanates from God. The only wisdom that you'll ever have that will be beneficial and not detrimental will come from God. So fulfilling your mission and your, your ministry requires a devotion. It's going to require a commitment to him. And it's going to require some things that uh, are what I'm calling is life changing. How you discuss those life changes matters a lot. Well, you know, I'm, I ain't really, you know, I, I go to church. Where you go? I go to community faith. Really? Yeah. Where y'all located? We in Buford. So why you go? I'm the pastor. <laughs> you feel me? You convinced now? You can't just say it any old kind of way and expect it to be just words. You, you ain't convinced nobody of that except, wow, I know where I'm not going. <laughs> you going to talk about your faith in that same manner? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm born again. I've been saved a long time. Jesus is my friend. You may as well have said the other thing. You know, I do have a white friend. You may as well. You ain't convincing nobody when you're talking like that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to church Sunday. I'm going with my mom, my parents. You know, I'm going, I'm going. Just real convincing. That's not what he's talking about. There's no conviction inside of you. Not conviction as in having done wrong. Conviction as in, I'm going to get this done. Whatever it is. No persuasion coming through your lips. Number two is rebuke. After that second word is rebuke. Rebuke. Here's where you're going to need to, you're going to, need to rebuke somebody. Because people cannot... Listen. You will, be, you will be seen as having no integrity and no character if there are no boundaries to your edges. If there is no place... If, let me say it this way. If there is nothing you will object to... No reason for anybody to believe anything you're going to say. If you're unwilling to object to some of what you hear, you're not invested high enough to cause a rebuke. There are nice ways of telling folk that's not quite right. Just come on Wednesdays. We, we go through the word book by book and ideas, things that you've come to learn and understand that may or may not be right. We can get to the truth. 
And I'm not going to embarrass you. We don't embarrass anybody. We just ask, you know, what, what else do you have? <laughs> Last thing wasn't that good, but what else? You got, got something else? Can you give us some more? We'll find out the right answer. But you have to get to a place where not everything will go with you. And everybody who knows you need to know some things. Don't try that with them. That's, that ain't him. Folks, understand, there are some things just won't work around me. It just won't work. It just won't. I can't find a way for that to fit into this thing I call my world. It just won't work. When it's in my world, I got to work on it, fix it, change it, rearrange it. It's not an acceptable. It's, an unex, it's, a, it's something that got to be worked on. Just I, I see it as a project, something to help me become different, a long-suffering uh, I remember being an associate pastor, and we had a, a couple join the church. And this went in my in my notes. Y'all gonna give me I'm two minutes. This couple that joined, they were both women. No, 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 no I'm sorry. Wait, 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 get it right. This couple that joined, one was female for real, the other was female for play. Female for play meant for about seven years she had taken hormone pills so that, I'm sorry, he had taken hormone pills to become she. So they're a couple now. But the real she looks like the real she. What used to, he wanted to be a she, but he don't want to be a she no more. So he stopped taking the hormones, but he still got the effects of seven years of hormones. So they joined the church as them looking like two of girls. What y'all going to do when we start getting there? See, that's not a problem because, again, they were trying to, quote, unquote, change and grow in what we know is truth. Biblical truth. Not my truth. Biblical truth. The problem for them was the appearance. It looked like two women sitting together every Sunday. What y'all going to do? That is rhetorical. I did have to go to every leader in our church at that time and explain the details. Because every leader in our church came to me at some point saying, when you kicking them out? I had to remind them, first of all, I'm the associate pastor. Kicking out is the senior pastor job, <laughs> even though I get delegated that work. But his his decision, so talk to the pastor. He wasn't interested in kicking them out. They were doing everything that was exercising unto godliness they did leave the church though they left the church because they could not make connections the work that they had begun to transform their lives required a church family a long suffering church family long suffering seven years of hormones shoot I can't even say. He had more than me. I ain't going to go no further than that. So the church could not see the opportunity for ministry. 
Here we have folks wanting to grow and change, which is different than folks wanting to change the environment. Wanting the environment to accept me as I am and change to accept me as I stay. That's a problem for me. I'm going to close with reading uh, verse 5. It says, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll have folks coming to our church. And some of them, you cannot judge a book by its cover. But I want you to know, every person that is a part of our church, every person, is an opportunity for ministry. Opportunity. Not an opportunity for you to determine whether or not they're good enough for ministry. Everybody here is good enough for ministry. Everybody. Everyone deserves the best that Jesus has to offer from you. Not only to you, but from you. That is how we fulfill the ministry. Be the best that can ever come from you. Study and exercise unto godliness. Exercise yourself in areas that produce the lifestyle you desire, not simply the behavior you want to see. You bow your heads are closed. Father, my heart's desire is that your children walk in truth. That they would know your will and be able to follow it all the days of their life. That you would give them courage to step out and to stand against, Lord, erroneous things that would attempt to change their life. Lord, may you root and ground each of us in your word. May it come alive. Not that so that we would be able to receive all that you have. That we would be a people that bring glory to your name. That we would have the heart that's best described as compassion, full of empathy and love. Lord, as the world changes, give us the insight to accurately divide this word that we would bring glory to your name by all that we say and do and and your children your children would come into relationship with you and love you that's our desire God we love you so much and we need you desperately it's your son that gave us this opportunity and You could be sitting here praying with me now and not have a clue about what Jesus is offering you. In a word, it's relationship. In another word, it's a lifestyle. It's a beginning. If you don't know him well, That's why we're here.